yo. <laughs> Welcome back to the Earthborn Games Podcast. I am Anders Carlson, your host. And joining me is the entire crew of the Earthborn Games Podcast. Andrew Navarro. Hello. Hello. Andrew Fisher. I'm just going to do them all. Andrew Fisher, say hi. Hi. <laughs> and Evan Simonette. Hi. Get us all out of the way so we all have permission to talk right <laughs> Yeah, away. we all have permission yeah. to talk. Yeah. <laughs> there was a, a, a pregnant pause after you said my name, so I, was, I was thought to myself, should I say something? <laughs> yeah, I filled so. it in. <laughs> I saw your pregnancy and I took it. I took, it, I took charge. <laughs> you delivered that baby of silence and made noise. Thank you. I, I couldn't quite pull off that, uh, <laughs> that pun. Um, I don't think I did either. <laughs> no, you definitely did. Um, welcome back to the States, Andrew. Thank how you. Did, how did your game of Monopoly end? Oh, in, in <laughs> tears. Well, not not literal tears, but pretty. It was not uh, super fun. It, uh, it started off great. Like everyone's having a good time. Lots of laughs. Everyone got a kick out of uh, my wife uh, steadily going bankrupt as she landed on one bad spot after another and had to pay rent and then mortgage Aww. all of her homes. And, <laughs> and, yeah. and by everybody, do you mean you, Sam and Sebastian, or was no, she, she was, also getting a kick? She was, also, she was also enjoying it. Yeah, she, had, right, she right. had fun. Uh, she had <laughs> okay, fun good. with it. But then uh, when uh, Sebastian started to go broke, that's when the fun mm. stopped. Uh and oh. he was not pleased because he was like, ah, I felt like I was going to turn it around and win. And mm. it didn't happen for him. <laughs> so uh, he got frustrated. Then I started to lose all my stuff. But I was like, oh, please just let this be over. So I was <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> um, I got to a point where I was like, all right, it's clear Sam is going to win this because he was just rolling in money. He had the I forget what the little clutch of spaces but he was like on the L away from like directly opposite on the board from boardwalk and park place the orange mm. spaces yeah all the, like the mid-priced ones yeah and he had a hotel he eventually had hotels on all of them and everybody was landing on those spaces just the way the <laughs> dice were going so he was just rolling in dough and uh any little back in the little bit that i made back uh went immediately into his bank account so yeah it was uh it was a really great illustration of uh mm -hmm. how this system of ours functions and how it starts off fun, but then maybe is miserable for everyone except for one person at the table. <laughs> Did you use but it as a, I, as a teaching moment for them? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Cause, oh, yeah. uh, well, I, I think I, I mentioned to you guys last week cause I was, uh, I, I think I totally could have been on the podcast last, last week because the internet where we were staying was phenomenal. Oh. And I didn't discover that until later. We had dedica dedicated Wi-Fi in our room, which was more mm. than just like the the hotel Wi-Fi, and mm -hmm. it was it was faster than home. It was it was wild. <laughs> um, but anyway, I remember I typed to you guys that I read the rules for the first time as an adult, and uh, <laughs> I have a whole new appreciation for the designer of Monopoly. I think that there's some really brilliant stuff in there. I think in particular the income tax space is great because oh, there's yeah. all these rules about the income tax space oh. where it's when you land on it it's 10 percent of your total assets that means you mm -hmm. like you total up all your properties 
have all your cash, everything. And then, then you take 10% of that and that's what you pay to the bank. Wow. And, or you could just pay $200 and be done. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Okay. If you don't want so, to sit there and do math. Yeah. yeah. If you don't want to sit there and do math, but on the first time through where Sebastian was like, I, I, I don't want to pay $200. So we did, we spent like, you know, five minutes going through adding all this stuff, <laughs> just like taxes, you know, ta- ta- adding it all up. And in the end he got back, he had, he saved himself $13. <laughs> it was like, that's and taxes to, right there, man. You do all this work and like later. You had to pay yeah, that to right. TurboTax. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, if it was just like taxes, you would make him do the math, give you the money, then you would do the math. And if he was wrong, you'd fine him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. But I love that, that there's just, the, there's almost an entire page in the rule book dedicated to the income tax space. <laughs> One space. Wow. Uh-huh. It's pretty great. It's pretty what great. What more is there like to it's say just about commentary. it? Oh, okay. uh, Monopoly? No, about the, uh, uh, the income tax. No, just than- that, that, that you actually calculate it. And you can if you want to, but almost immediately becomes not worth doing. Like I was not aware of essentially this from ever. the beginning. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. ever playing that way. I just probably skipped that. Well, right. if you never land on the space, you don't have to worry about it. You must have, and just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and Monopoly is pretty infamous for people playing by house rules. There's like yeah. several mm. rules that are like widely accepted as like part of the game, but are not actually in the the physical rule book. Um, so they're eluding me at the moment, but yeah, that's uh, that's an infamous one for house rules kind of overtaking the actual printed text. <laughs> yeah, if we really get the in, in, get to the income tax space, you actually have to do it like a real tax form with the documents <laughs> and everything. Uh, right. But yeah, I was really glad to have played it because I, I have not played it since I was a kid, and I oh. did not remember a lot of the rules. So it was uh, it was cool that, to to play that game, and now I don't have to do that again. <laughs> Did they just have it at the hotel or something? They had it in our room. Yeah, they had a few okay. games. We also played Pictionary. Uh, oh yeah, Classic. a few nights later, and uh, Sebastian and I ended up being on a team. And uh, Rachel going in was like, "Ah, oh, you know, you know Papa is going to be really good at this because he's really good at, at drawing." And I'm like, "Ah, I don't know. Sometimes I get lost in the details when yep. it comes to Pictionary. <laughs> That's what happens with Pictionary." Um, yeah, We're worrying about the hero Skiro and you know the stick figure would have done. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's trying to find like you know being able to draw, it, but then having to like pull it back to communicate concepts. It, the the two don't necessarily line up. But what I ended up being was an, a phenomenal guesser. And Sebastian was mm. an amazing drawer of Pictionary. Like he would draw like just these couple squiggly lines, and I'd say a word, and he'd be like, "Yes, I'm like sweet." <laughs> so that's what that's what ended up being more more frustrating was my ability as a guesser than a drawer, which was pretty fun. I, Sebastian was amazing at that game, so he's a he's a great partner. If you ever if, if we ever find ourselves in a company Pictionary <laughs> game, uh, Sebastian's a good guy to have on your team. I would just invite my friend to be my teammate because he and I developed like a Pictionary language for each other. <laughs> oh, so we'd always oh. know what what top or you know what uh, topic or like a shorthand, essentially, but in pic- pictographs, I guess. We just kind of <laughs> learned cheating. what we were saying. Basically, yeah, cheating. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like cheating. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Um, do, do you want to share anything else about your trip now, or? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did. I did do more than play Monopoly and Pictionary. Yeah. In my, in my went, trip, went all the way to Costa Rica <laughs> to play board games. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything went as planned. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, 
Costa Rica was great. The uh, night the night before we left, our flight got canceled because uh, we had oh. a bunch of snow. Yeah. So we ended up having a quick book on a different flight. Uh, luckily, we were able to do that. So there was really no hiccups. Um, so that was nice. So we were going on Delta. We ended up going on Southwest. Uh, that was fine. Um, there were no... Uh, Southwest is a little bit little bit uh, less fancy. So, that, you know, they didn't have the, the screens built into the seats or anything, which was good because it gave me an opportunity to do work, which kind of set the theme for me for a lot of the trip where... Uh, I would work the first part of the day. So like maybe like four hours in the morning because I'd be getting, you get, I get up, I was getting up pretty early, like at six o'clock every day, get up, do some work, do some emails, and then go enjoy the rest of the day in the afternoon. And I think that's a schedule I could really get used to is <laughs> <laughs> getting up super early in beautiful, warm temperature, uh, uh, going, yeah. going and sitting out in the, like on a, our porch either on the little hotel room we were staying at or at this other uh, place we were staying at later get some fresh air listen to all the wildlife and mm. just sit on a computer and do some emails uh it was really yeah. really nice uh yeah i found myself really motivated to work which is really interesting being on vacation mm -hmm. um, it's a lot different than you know waking up into the same house every day feeling like you're trapped by several feet of snow on all sides right right, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. with like an invisible routine just kind of hanging over your head <laughs> yeah or whatever yeah. that you can break out of when you're on vacation yeah totally mm -hmm. um so uh but it, yeah so it started off really well yeah i worked on the world of earthborn rangers art book uh the entire time on the on the flight down inputting proofreading changes um and then i spent a lot of the a lot of the uh, my time working going back and forth with that factory on that, uh, but yeah, the day we got when we arrived in coast, the day we left, it was at the time we left, it was negative five degrees at home mm. uh, Fahrenheit for you mm -hmm. Celsius people, mm -hmm. and uh, when we got there, it was ninety three degrees Fahrenheit. Whoa, that is uh, in Liberia where we landed, almost a hundred degree difference. Yeah, yeah, it was holy moly, awesome. <laughs> it was really awesome. I was a little overdressed uh, in the airport, but yeah. uh, I, I was Whoa. like, I don't care. I'll take it. Oh, that's uh, the best. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Yeah. So when we arrived, we started in uh, Liberia, which is in this kind of more arid part of the country. And Costa Rica is pretty famous for having lots of different weather based on where you are on the in the country. You can change pretty wildly. And uh, so we started in this more arid area and then we were going to this place called uh, la fortuna which was uh, on the other side of this mountain range when you get there to the uh, to the west and as we drove away from liberia it was like super super hot like looking around it was like everything was kind of dry the trees were kind of dusted over there's green but it wasn't like a super rich vibrant green but then we climbed up into the mountains and started to get a little bit cooler and then we effectively like went over this boundary at the top of the mountains and then went down the other side. And our, our driver was telling us, uh, that, that this, this barrier exists where once you cross over it, it's cloudy and rainy. And mm. that's precisely what happened. As soon as we went over just rain and clouds and the temperature drops by like 15 to 20 degrees. Uh, and it was a pretty, stark difference from where we were just like a half an hour ago just on the other side of these mountains 
And uh, that was really, really cool. And then we stayed, so we spent the first portion of our trip in this place called La Fortuna, staying at the foot of this volcano that erupted like 50 years ago, I think. Uh, and they didn't realize apparently it was a volcano back then. <laughs> they, uh, oh, wow. they, yeah. And people would hike up it and then camp on the top because <laughs> the earth was nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> so there were signs. <laughs> yes. I think. And when you look at the thing, you're like, that's a volcano. I mean, it looks, <laughs> it looks like a prototypical volcano. It goes up to a, you know, nice, yeah, yeah. a nice point. It's got like little, little jaggies and everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that might have been after the eruption. I don't know. Uh, right, but it's been right. dormant for the last, I think, like 10 or 12 years, something like that. Um, but prior to that, it would it would be it would always be kind of bubbling and stuff. Mm. Uh, so a bunch of tourism built up around this place just to go see the volcano. Um, so uh, but people still come there for like the hot springs, which is which we did. We've been doing some hot springs that came from the volcano. Uh, that was really cool. Uh, we saw this gigantic waterfall i forget the name of the of the landmark but you take like these 550 steps down into this crevasse where there's a uh a, a waterfall falling maybe like 60 feet above into this pool that's relatively small and there's so much water there uh and it was this just perfect refreshing temperature to get in and then uh you could like swim against the current of the waterfall uh, that was really neat because like you mm. kind of swim toward it with all your might and you just get exhausted. And then the, then the, the, uh, force of the waterfall just push you back to the shore. Mm, um, cool. yeah, you could probably, if you were a really strong swimmer, you could probably, you know, swim underneath it, but then the waterfall would probably pulverize you. So it'd <laughs> be a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, is that, the that was really awesome. Waterfall? I forget what it's called. Okay. Um, uh, I'm terrible at these names It's of these places, but it's pretty awesome. I'm just snooping um, on Google maps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we spent a few days there. The place we were staying was really awesome too. Like I said, I was right at the base of this, uh, volcano and, uh, they had a little path that went up through the jungle. So we went on a couple walks through there. It was really pretty small, but it was, uh, it was pretty awesome walking in a, in that place, uh, it reminded me a lot of the Pacific Northwest, that kind of same feeling of the, of the, um, of the forest there where there's just a ton of, a ton of growth. Um, and it was very, very humid. Uh, so that was cool. Um, I heard some howler monkeys off in the distance. That was neat. My son saw some howler monkeys, but I, but I missed them. So I didn't, I didn't get to see those. Hmm. Uh, I did see a sloth, uh, while we were walking out. That was pretty cool. Wow. Um, yeah, it moved faster than I expected. I mean, it moved <laughs> slowly, but it, it did move pretty quickly. Oh, uh, okay. As people were like, kind of like pointing at it, it was, it was maybe like 30 feet up in a tree. Mm -hmm. um, so that was pretty cool. It had some moss growing on it and everything. So full sloth experience. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty neat. Um, yeah, and then for the second part of our trip, we went to uh, a, a beach town called uh, Samara, which is on the uh, Pacific coast. And, uh, the weather there was very, very different. It was like 90 degrees pretty much every day, blistering sun. Uh, I, on the car ride out there, I had my window down and I was keeping really close attention to like the amount of sun that was hitting my arm, uh, during that drive. So I was constantly like kind of moving it into the shade. 
uh, as we were driving along. And I swear that sun maybe hit my arm for a grand total of three minutes on that drive, but I got a burn anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. It That's was fair Minnesotan skin. <laughs> yeah. Just can't take it. <laughs> no, I couldn't. It, like you out there for any amount of time without sunscreen on, uh, it'll get you. So that was pretty, that was pretty wild. Um, that was great. The beaches there were phenomenal. There was hardly anybody there. Um, I'm not sure if it's, you know, because of the season or if it's just a place that isn't as heavily trafficked as some of the other places we've gone on spring break, like Florida or, um, going to like Mexico. Um, those are always pretty hopping. Um, here it was very, very chill. Uh, and there are not a lot of Americans. I met a lot of Germans, met a lot of French speakers, uh, plenty of Canadians, not a lot of, not a lot of Americans there. I, I don't know why. Um, that's just how it worked out. But I heard a lot of German being spoken. I randomly met a, my an American who was there while you were there the other day. Oh, yeah? Must have missed each other. We must have missed each other. <laughs> yeah. It's a small country, but not that small. It, yeah. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of foliage, so you can walk past someone and not know that they're there. Um, You're behind then the for, bush. From the right. <laughs> <laughs> and then for one day, we went to Monteverde. Uh, we just took a day trip there, and that was pretty awesome. We rented a car for that, so I got to drive a bit, and that was really cool. I enjoyed driving there. Uh, I thought it would be more harrowing than it was. Um so that was like, you end up driving up a mountain for like the last hour of that trip. And it's an hour because it's just like these slow winding roads with a bajillion potholes. Like, so in Minnesota, we have uh, tons of deep potholes that are caused from snow and ice and from sand, from salt and sand and all the stuff that we do to our roads during the winter. And then it heats up, everything cracks and it's all a mess and awful. Um, <laughs> it was like that. It's like, there's like all the worst potholes that we have, but you encounter one of those or multiple of those every 20 feet, maybe on this oh, road. Man. Yeah. And you're on a mountain. And you're on a mountain. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> steep, you know, drop to nothing on one side and then, and you know, gorgeous views. Uh, but yeah, kind of, kind of nerve wracking because you try to get to drive super slow either around or through all these potholes. So you don't destroy the uh the suspension on your on your rental car <laughs> mm-hmm. um so that was that was pretty fun actually and the drive down uh was was even was is was easier um but monteverde was was awesome uh again that what that place also reminded me a bit of the pacific northwest it was super windy there and very cold when we were there and it's kind of like perpetually in a cloud um so it's super moist and uh while we were there, there was just this massive, uh, got there that evening, there was this massive rainbow that you could see both the beginning and the end of on, you know, coming at the base of these uh, mountains. And then like, if you look off to your right, you can see these rolling foothills that then lead down to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, It was pretty phenomenal. Uh, Apparently it was uh, founded by Quakers back during the Korean War when they were... They, yeah, a group of Quakers went down there during the Korean War to avoid going and having to fight because they're pacifists. Oh, okay. Uh, and then they founded this town, and it's built up since. And um, they wanted it; they founded it because it was on top of the mountain and kind of out of the way, and is really hard to get to. Uh, but in recent years, um, they've paved all the roads leading to it. I think much to the Quakers' chagrin, uh, <laughs> so that now it is more of a, a tourist destination. Um, but that place was awesome. I think that was kind of, I think that was my favorite part of the trip. 
the food there was phenomenal. And we did a night hike, uh, which was really, really cool to be out in the, in the jungle at night and being with this guide who, uh, I was just constantly marveling at how he could find these animals in the forest. It's effectively pitch black and he'd have this little telescope with him. And, uh, so he, he knew generally where things were, uh, cause I don't I guess things don't really range very far. So he'd be like, okay, there's a, I know there's a toucan around here. Let's see if I could find them. And then you'd find the toucan and then you'd look through the little telescope to, to see it. And it had some sort of enhancement on it so that you could, you know, actually see it in, in lit somehow. And, uh, so you'd look at it and be like, wow, that's really cool. And then you'd look up and you're like, where the hell is mm-hmm. that animal? <laughs> like, I can't even see it. Uh, you could just spy tiny, with his... <laughs> yeah. He's just like, it's there. Um, and he did that with some things like, uh, he found a tree frog. It was maybe as big as my thumbnail that he spotted from like 25 feet away. Mm. And then we looked through the, the telescope to see it. Um, I've heard about the scam. Awesome. The scam, actually, it's uh, like yeah, it's just video. images inside yeah. the thing. It's actually yeah, like it's a, it's just a like a view uh, viewmaster. <laughs> viewmaster. <laughs> I had that thought. I had that thought. I was like, we could just look through a viewmaster. You wouldn't know any, any better. Right. Uh, but you could actually see it with your naked eye, also. So it wasn't mm. it wasn't a scam. Um, that was pretty cool. I learned a couple cool things on that trip. Uh, one is that. Uh, trees that do not experience seasons do not have rings. Oh, which is something I did not know. Wow. But it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, so any stumps that we encountered massive stumps, like you can't age them. Yeah, totally. They had different kind of markings on them, but not rings like you'd see here. Hmm, Uh, so that was kind of neat. And also they had a hawk there, a broad winged hawk which is a migratory hawk, which is the same hawk that we have here that like hangs oh. out on our highways. <clears throat> oh yeah. Yeah. Like on the, on the lamppost, the same hawk. So oh, cool. it's entirely possible that those hawks, they migrate. The same hawks. You said, yeah, they migrate. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So like lit- literally the same hawks, not it just uh, the same yeah. species. Yeah, exactly. It could literally, I could literally be the same hawk I saw over the highway last <laughs> summer. Uh, so that was pretty neat. Um, and then the, uh, we kind of rounded out our trip there by going on a hike in the cloud forest, uh, at Monteverde. And that was, I think that was my, definitely my favorite part of the trip. It was like a three hour hike, uh, really well manicured, uh, national park level, um, you know, trails. And, uh, I have never seen so much greenery and life in my entire life. I've never seen anything like it. Like hmm. just these massive, massive trees, uh, that, and it, like a really tall canopy canopy and lots of like kind of spindly trees. But then every once in a while, there'd be like these huge, huge trees that would, uh, come up in this massive trunk and then go off into like gigantic branches into other smaller branches, but each into the crux of each of those branches, there'd be a bunch of ferns and you know a billion other plants like a whole existence a whole world Hmm. uh within each of those little nodes on those massive trees oh that's cool so cool and and every inch of them also and every inch of every tree covered in other plants like there is no tree that does not have a billion other plants growing on it uh it was super cool it was super super cool 
Sweet. Um, yeah, I saw a lot of spider webs. Didn't really see a lot of spiders. Saw some cool beetles. Uh, mm. These kind of these blue black beetles that had these cool like orange feelers at the end of their antenna, uh, rummaging through the remains of some animal that I I couldn't recognize. I couldn't discern what it was. It was just a bunch of fur. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was phenomenal. Yeah, overall the whole trip was great. The, the people there uh, in Costa Rica were super super friendly. Um, the Spanish, uh, if you speak any Spanish is really, really easy to understand, um, cause they speak really chill, uh, and they don't really speak with a whole lot of an accent. Like if you were to have a American accent as a Spanish speaker, it's kind of like their accent. Mm. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's really, really easy to pick up. Um, and that was, nice. that was pretty awesome. Uh. So yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I would love to go back. Apparently they have really good deals on visas for remote workers. So oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Is this how you end up working from Costa Rica? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm seriously considering it. They also have really good tax breaks for people too. Does your so, wife how, work remotely too? She does. Could, yeah. Could she? she, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, it's definitely temp it's tempting, especially when we came home to two solid days of snow. Yeah, you really came home at a poor time. Yeah, yeah like, you're gone, yeah. and meanwhile, Minnesota's trying to yeah. set its like all-time snowfall record for yeah. winter. Yeah, we're up to number eight. I heard eight all-time. Oh yeah, on record. Okay. On, yeah, on record. All right. Yeah. So in the last like 140 years, only like 132 more win more snowy winters than the one we have right now. I think uh, one of those mornings when you were enjoying, you know, your the nice weather, I was. Uh, trying to get Megan's car unstuck from the alleyway because there's <laughs> these wheel ruts that yeah. are incredibly deep. And it was, oh my gosh, about two feet from the garage. Couldn't get in, stuck. Oh so, man, the worst. <laughs> brutal. Yeah. Did anybody so come to help you? No, no. Is the car still there? Yeah. I, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> I just had to break all the ice around the, the front wheels to get enough traction to get a run at it. And I've been there. Yep. I've so, done that very thing. It's pretty cool. I'm out of shape too. So, <laughs> well, that was good exercise. It was then. surprising how I felt afterwards. I'm like, wow. Oh, my, yeah. I didn't realize my hands could be sore, but. Like I just think of my hands as having, as having tendons and not muscles, but yeah, yeah, there's muscles in there too. Like I really sore. Interesting. Yeah. Learn something new on this show every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh <-huh. laughs> um, well, uh, thank you, Andrew, for turning this show into a travel show once again. Yeah, I'm happy to, the, happy to continue to do that. Thanks to the Andrews. <laughs> this this is a, sometimes a travel podcast. <laughs> Sounds amazing. I'm. Trying not to be jealous, and uh, well, we'll eventually go to Wisconsin Dells when Signy's old enough, and then I can tell everyone Ooh, all about yeah the Dells. <laughs> the Dells are awesome. <laughs> I'm gonna go to the Amana Colonies down in Iowa. You guys ever go there? No. What's the Amana no. Colonies? It's like a Amish colony <laughs> that my parents took me to as a kid. Oh, that's funny. Ah, uh -huh. <laughs> in Iowa. Um, well, sweet. Uh, let's, let's plug the playcast real quick. You guys watching the playcast? Huh? Yeah. I've watched every episode. Oh, you have? Yeah. I haven't watched it back. I'm, I'm too like self-conscious about those so far. 
I, Everyone's really good. appreciative of of your your commitment level and and uh, how you engage the game. So I don't Except think you one should guy. worry about it. One guy was giving me <laughs> shit. <laughs> You're talking about me? No, <laughs> no, 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 did no, you? No, was, he, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Comments. Yeah, yeah, he, no. He qualified it. He qualified it. I mean, he didn't qualify it the like most gently, but like he was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to say Anders is the suck. Oh yeah, but... I read that guy. Yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty. <laughs> no, was, I didn't read yeah, that. Yeah, he was he was just curious. He was curious. He wasn't giving you too much shit. Yeah, no, he wasn't at all. I I didn't take it personally, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I haven't watched it for that reason because <laughs> I know like I started watching one and I could just see the the um, tension in my face and the, the nerves <laughs> happening. Uh, but hopefully well, it doesn't come off that way to others. No, I, I didn't think so. Like I was glad to watch it because I feel like I learned two things about myself. One, I need to keep my hands off the table because oh. <laughs> my hands are in the overhead shot and it's I find it mm. distracting and irritating. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, it's, it doesn't seem like it, sitting at the table, it doesn't seem like they should be in the shot, but logically, of course, they're in the shot. And like my mm-hmm. hands are like <laughs> the only hands <laughs> apart from you guys. Um, yeah. And I'm also like fiddling with the dice and stuff. Like, you know, like we're sitting oh. at a, you know, like, mm-hmm. like we're just hanging around our own table like I, like I would do. But right. so it's, Some... it's just bad because there's these disembodied hands coming off of the, left-hand side of the screen <laughs> some uh, of the uh, viewers seem to enjoy that the casual approach that's true. <laughs> my hands well just well, it adds to it adds to that yeah. casual nature yeah. of it yeah i appreciate i appreciate that Corey left in my dog interrupting our our yeah. uh, oh he did session <laughs> yeah did yeah some pretty good shots of uh of finn biting at my hand yeah um, <laughs> And well, I also feel like I talk yeah. too much. I'm talking too much. I think I'm interjecting oh, really? too much. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I need to let you guys do more without me jumping yeah. in and being like, hey, maybe do this. So oh. I'm going to try I to felt... keep that under control. You mean you're going to let us just... That. Yeah. You're, well, you're going to let us... Um, nice of you to say. <laughs> like decide on a course of action, then immediately go off course and not yes. do what we we're setting out to do, say we're yes. going to do. I'd much rather do that than, than monopolize the time by by blabbing too much, which I felt oh. like I was doing. Oh, that really? was something I, I learned like about myself is I would immediately forget the thing I wanted to do once I would get drawn into the actual game state. I, I would forget my 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 strategy because I just <laughs> I kind of got overwhelmed by all the stuff going on. And yeah. we're, we're being recorded is, I think, a big part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you feel those yeah. nerves of like the performance, like, oh, God, am I going to play all right? Or it, I got to remember too much. For, for me, it's more, um, this is supposed to be entertaining, so I have to keep talking. You know, I can't, yeah. mm-hmm. I can't just mm-hmm. sit here and think for a minute, you know, because mm-hmm. I think I would have grasped the game a lot easier if I had time to just kind of sit and think the, as you would if you're really playing it. But I was thinking, okay, I got to make it quick and yeah. snappy. And is there a joke to be said here? And, you know. Yeah. Well, I feel like you don't have to do that. I feel like the burden is maybe on Fisher and I to maybe describe to the audience okay. what's what's in play and not really necessarily directed at you where you can think that's a good and idea. We can kind of have a side conversation because I feel like that's the one thing is maybe missing is that we're we're not necessarily like really letting the audience know everything that's going on as it's happening. You know what I mean? That's yeah, just letting them see the cards and figure it out for themselves. 
also Anders, if you find yourself or if I see you spending too many cards on just doing checks, approach checks, yeah. I'll I'll interject and make sure you play at least one piece of equipment and then remind <laughs> you to <laughs> well, I, like, I use get that. the equipment. Yeah, no, I get I get that strategy now. I've grown a little bit. <laughs> um, who's the color commentator then? Who will be Andrew or Fisher? I, I think either of us can can jump in. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Just just you take the game at your pace. We'll yeah. fill in any dead air. So cool. You just do your thing. Yeah, I, I think next it time was, we're recording. I, I think you brought up a really good thing, Fisher. That uh, you know, Anders, you you playing the game at your own pace and learning it at your own pace is exactly what this game allows for. So like the fact that you like you are engaging with it as like, I'm going to, I'm just going to use these cards for these icons for now is totally fine. And mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. And you could like up to a point, you could try to play a lot of the game that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually that, that the ability to play the game just that way will, not really be viable um but mm-hmm. especially in the early going uh, you could probably get away with not playing a lot of cards for their effects achievement right. for the achievement list yeah through the in- entire game never yeah. playing a card <laughs> <laughs> write that down write it down if someone could do that that would be pretty that'd be pretty amazing that'd be pretty amazing i don't think you i think it's viable a- i think it, you could it, it, i don't know how much fun you'd have doing it though. yeah no it, it would be a lot less fun definitely yeah. Yeah. Be pretty grindy. Very simple. Mm-hmm. I have more confidence in myself for the next playcast, though. I I played some of Root, which I bought oh, nice. a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. and uh, so when I learned that, we, me and my friends, um, you know, we took like three hours learning it before we actually got into the game, uh-huh. and uh, I think some things clicked. I was really intimidated by that at first, too. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a weird experience. I don't know if you guys remember this when you first started playing games like this probably so long ago, but I was in, I, I'm, I'm very intimidated at first and it's, it's true with a lot of things in life, I think, where your own fear kind of messes with your, how your brain works and your wiring gets all twisted and mm-hmm. you're not functioning as you would if you had confidence. Once I learned the rules of that game, looking back on it, it, it felt like hours of like, oh, what now? What next? Oh, what the fuck? Uh, but then looking back, I'm like, this game is so simple. This is yeah. actually very simple <laughs> and easy. Why did I get so overwhelmed with these rules? It's a very straightforward thing. Um, and I th- I think uh, there's some similarities from your game to that game. I mean, not a ton, but just in terms of the cards have, uh, you know, uh, what's the fuck? The word? <laughs> they Effects. have effects or you can use them as dual functions yeah they have dual functions um so that concept is like clearer to me now and then i went and i i I wanted to i really liked that game so i was bringing the rule books around with me and just reading them in my free time and you have it what i got it right there oh that game root you said oh oh, it's back there oh cool have you played it no (laughs) (laughs) well you can you can play with me sometime. We can play together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Could, I'll play. That'd be fun. I love. Yeah, I yeah, really, yeah. I really enjoyed Root. I've I've played it a nice. couple times. Yeah, but every time I played it, though, I have to feel like I have to relearn it. So I always end up replaying the tutorial. Oh, I, I can teach you. I can teach yeah. you how to play. <laughs> Let's film it. 
Corey. student has become the master. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, what you described, Anders, is is really true of so many games that Evan and Andrew and I have worked have worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that what you'd call like a hobby game, um, where yeah. it's. Uh, when you actually sit down and and play it and you're comfortable with the rules, it all feels like it makes sense. And Mm -hmm. it it is, there's that, that threshold that you have to cross of getting through all the minutia of all the little systems Mm -hmm. where simpler games can be made of like one of those mechanics. Right. And then hobby games kind of combine a bunch of different systems to create an effect and yeah. it's the the interplay of those systems that I think makes the types of games that we've made in the past and types of games that uh, I find the most intriguing, interesting, fun. Is yeah. that you do have that little bit of a barrier to get through, but once you get through it, you're like, yeah, this is of course this is easy. Like, why did I even have trouble with this? Uh, mm-hmm. But then time passes, you forget how to play, and you have to do it all over again. <laughs> right. Well, I think right. <laughs> I think something. I think something else that can be kind of intimidating, especially with American games is, and I mean, like obviously European games have this as well, but like American games, especially um, have a lot of exception based gameplay mm-hmm. where most of the gameplay components make themselves interesting by breaking the rules in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that could be really intimidating, especially to somebody who's not used to that dynamic because like, you're trying to learn the rules of the game, but every single thing that comes in front of your face is breaking them. Yeah. And so like, how are you supposed to learn the rules when everything's breaking the rules and like what's a rule (laughs) versus what's an exception is, is, it's very complex. Um, Mm -hmm. before you've kind of laid down that foundation. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. And, and some, some rules are unspoken and because they aren't stated, you can do something. You just, it just may not occur to you. I don't know. Right. I can't think of a good example, but um, mm-hmm. game breaking or exceptions to the rules occur because they're not stated on a card. And you're like, oh, all of a sudden, after playing 50 hours worth of the game, you're like, oh, wait, I can actually do this with this card. It's never it never said it could be done this way, but you can yeah. play it this way or whatever. <laughs> and I think that yeah. your Earthborn's rulebook, uh, I think, touches on that in the beginning, saying, you know, if there's not a rule, doesn't it? If it's not written, then yeah, it, uh, it has the, the it has the golden, golden rule. rule. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. So did Root. I think also had that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my experience in learning that game and Earthborn, I during both of my um, experiences trying to learn it, I had this feeling of why are there so many fucking rules in this? What is the point of this? Why is it so complicated? Why? <laughs> Why? Cause you know, I, I think I th- I'm, I'm going to get to my, where I, I had a, I had a change of heart, but um, you know, I, I've loved like chess. I love the elegance of just like this piece does this, this piece does mm-hmm. this. And then within that there's endless possibilities. That's such a like perfect game. That's what I felt, but you're right. This is a different thing. And once I once I grasped the rules to that game, and I still feel like I haven't with Earthborn, um, but I was like, I kind of got the point of making games like this is that, <laughs> you know, there's this whole world in this little box and uh, you don't know how to, you know, live in that world yet. And you can learn it. It's about learning. And I think, and the shut up and sit down review of Root 
I think he said, whoever the main dude is on there, like once he learned the game, it wasn't as fun. Like most of the fun was in the experience of learning the game and, mm. and discovering all these little mechanics and how clever they are. And then once everyone kind of got it, actually playing the game wasn't, you know, as exciting. Yeah, yeah I think, I can I think he's, he still recommended it. But um, anyway, I think I'm starting to understand the uh, why everyone is so in love with these these games. Awesome. That's You're entering my, a whole new world. I am. I, I was getting, I was starting to, I was watching documentaries and stuff. And it's funny because I, you know, Twilight Imperium comes up oh. a lot, comes up yeah. a lot. And then I, I, I landed on the documentary about it. And there you are. Yeah, there Andrew. I am. <laughs> like what? Because it had been built up in my mind as like, well, oh, this, this game is, seems pretty rad. Everybody mentions it in, you know, when they're talking about other games and stuff. So I had already thought like, oh, wow, this game, I got to try this someday. And like starstruck that Andrew is actually like, <laughs> is in this documentary. Like yeah, I'm in that documentary a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Andres, to your comparison to something like chess and go, I think like ultimately a kind of way to think about these different games is it's a lot like any other form of media, like say, let's compare it to like written word, right? Like um, you, you can have the like elegant, thing that is artful and you can come back to time and time again but that only fulfills like a certain kind of desire right mm -hmm. like an elegant game like go where chess might be like a poem right like like i read a poem by kipling and i like go back to it and like think on it and reflect on that poem and go back to it at different points in my life and like those few words really have a ton like this this deep meaning to me and i can analyze them a long time but i also enjoy my massive sprawling fan like 10 book fantasy <laughs> series and those give me something that like a poem is never going to give me right and so mm -hmm. like i think there's space for both kinds of story and both kinds of medium and like oh, yeah. you know sure. twilight imperium is the sprawling sci-fi epic series you know whereas chess is a a poem mm -hmm. I, I would say great, great analogy yeah, mm -hmm. I like yeah. That. I like them just like I think any game that is a uh, is an ex it is an expression like a pure expression of someone's vision. I think I can get into like regardless of uh, its complexity. Like I think mm -hmm. you can. I think one can sense the heart in a game, and mm -hmm. uh, I feel like a game like Root, I think, really comes across that there was a lot of care and intention put into that. And I feel like Twilight yeah. Imperium is another example. It's hard to mm -hmm. say for chess. Chess for me, like since it's so <laughs> detached from the person whoever who created it. it. Yeah, it's it's like almost <laughs> this entity of itself. It feels very cold to me. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I do also enjoy a game of chess for every once in a while. But I, to me, that's that's there's that je ne sais quoi of a, of a game when it speaks to me. And I, I feel like that's at the heart of it is the, the people behind it. But I could be making that up. You can't. I can't prove that with science. I, I, I was. I was making a contemplative face. I was making a contemplative face because I was trying to come up with like a a counterexample. There's there's definitely at least a video game designer who has this like all of his games are like known for being, you know, it's just his purity of vision. But his it's wildly wild, wild, widely accepted that his vision is just awful. But I can't remember his name off the top of my head. <laughs> Uh, what, what kind of game like in, in 
Oh, oh, oh Ojima? Some kind of action. No, it's it's like he actually has like some decently sized studios behind him, and they're all these action games. I think it's a oh. Japanese studio. Uh, um, uh, oh, God. Oh, I yeah. was going to say, um, I just. Sweary? Yeah, I think it might be sweary. Now yeah. I'm gonna get like some hate from some big sweary fans, but <laughs> what, well, what you know, those games make? aren't great, but they have heart. I think you can you can see uh, the that's heart. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes which, literally. Depending which on games? The game. <laughs> which games did that person? Oh, make? I for, I forget the big the big. There's like a big like open world like crime solving game that was like his breakout thing. It was like so. It was like full of bugs and janky and weird. Um. I forget the name of it, but I've I've watched that played from start to finish. Uh, L.A. Noir or something? No, <laughs> not L.A. Noir. It was not. It's it's like L.A. Noir except uh, degraded multiple times. Okay. Uh, he did De- Deadly Premonition. Deadly Premonition. That's the one I'm thinking. Yeah, of. yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know these. I don't know this person. Yeah, I. I but anyway, that's uh, the thing for fit- me. Very divisive, I guess. Yeah, it is for some people. So I I, 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 I totally see that. There are a lot of games I know I'll never play. So I'll watch this YouTuber who does really in-depth reviews on him. His name is Jacob Geller. And he just did this review on um, a game called Wanted Dead. And I suppose I should oh, yeah. I should mention that um, during the, the prop appropriate segment of this, but <laughs> I found it incredibly entertaining and funny and wanted dead seems like a ludicrous game that is kind of <laughs> janky and buggy and stuff. And wanted dead. Did that just Ooh, come four out? Four out of 10 on IGN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever something's rated that low, it's almost always worth checking out. Yeah. yeah. yeah just, it's like bad movie night, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. At least watch the Jacob Geller review of it. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. Have you guys ever watched reviews? This is just a tangent by Tim Rogers. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Okay. He's this guy on from Kotaku, but he has a really distinct tone of voice. And uh, he does six, seven, eight hour reviews of like Whoa. very, very obscure uh, Japanese game. Sometimes he did like a seven hour review of uh, Pac-Man and it's like fully produced and... <laughs> I love Tim Rogers. You guys, I'm going to send this out to everyone there. Check out Tim Rogers on YouTube. I love him. All right. um, he's super funny and he's in a, he's just like obsessed with video games. Anyway, he did one on, uh, I think on uh, Death Stranding. I think I maybe oh. sent it to you, mm-hmm. Evan. That's a, that's a good oh. one. But they just keep getting longer and longer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a big <laughs> ask to watch six hours. I, I just watch it in chunks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cool. I liked that little, uh, philosophical talk on games there. Let's get down to business though. Oh yeah. Keep watching the playcast. I'm glad you guys are watching it. I think that's getting some good viewership and it's going to only get better as I, as we get better at the game. Yeah. Well, we're going to um, do a marathon recording session this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be reading the rule book up until then. If I don't procrastinate. As I often do. <laughs> I'll quiz you before we start. Yeah, we're going to start in the morning. We're going to have some coffee. Um, I'm going to bring over a frittata. Ooh. Are you? But If you want me to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, now you offered. <laughs> I thought about it. I think I don't think I'll be able to. 
Well, geez. <laughs> why, why would Man. you promise it then? Yeah. Oh. Right in that very moment, I remembered I'll <laughs> I'll have to be with my daughter in the morning, so I will not have mm-hmm. the chance to do it before I come over there. Sorry, guys, to get you all excited. <laughs> um, I could bring over some McDonald's breakfast, which everyone loves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have listener questions. Well, wow, this is the longest we've taken to get to listener questions, I think, yeah. in all of history. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Good thing we don't have that many listener questions today. And I will not be able to answer the first one very well. Um, and the first one comes from Daniel Keim, our old buddy, Daniel. Everyone say hi. Hey, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> My question is for Anders and Evan. What is your favorite part of playing a conciliator artificer slash artificer so far in the playcast. So it, when I read that, I was like, which one was I again? So if that tells you anything, <laughs> I'm, I know I'm, I know I'm the conciliator. You're conciliator um, with a background of being a forager. As, yeah. as previously mentioned, Anders has spent a lot of time uh, committing cards to tests instead of putting them on a board so far. So he hasn't gotten a lot of conciliator flavor yet, I think. And yeah. we only at the end of playing remembered that, each character, or would you say character, uh, ranger, mm-hmm. has a different uh, ability that you can put into use. Yeah, it never really never... came up for us, but we have to remember yeah. that going forward. We have, we have to. Um, I, train. <laughs> I, I really don't have an answer for that, because I was not really <laughs> thinking about the difference between conciliator versus other cards, because I don't even know what the other cards do. Well, we'll see I don't even know what opinion... my own card does. We'll see if you have an opinion next next time. Yeah, sure. I think you. I, I think it, with prompting, you may have used a dear friend. You did, yeah, use that, yeah. Which, is, yeah. which is a conciliator card. This might be oh, spoilers because yeah. we haven't aired part two yet, have we? Of, of day one. All right, yeah. He no. might have pulled that in. He, no, he part, did. He, in he did part pull two. that in part one. He did, I think okay. I pulled it in part one. Yeah. Dear friend, dear friend was a really a really useful card, and I didn't realize it was just exclusive to my my player character. So I love using the dear friend <laughs> card came in handy because it felt like, I don't know if it's like how frequent you're searching for NPCs throughout the game, but at least in the early game, it came in handy. I have a feeling the uh, two big cards between us are going to be moment of desperation played by me oh, yeah. and dear <laughs> friend played by you. You never Those played it yet, two... right? What's that? You haven't played that one yet, have you? Yeah, I have. I, I played oh, okay. it once, but I, I it, am itching to continue to, to play that card. I believe <laughs> uh, the very first wolf that ever showed its face, Evan immediately threw something at it. I threw my <laughs> energized hiking greaves that were super energized because I put <laughs> um, power cells on them or something. So, nice. <laughs> um, I can give a like a slightly more long-winded answer. Um, yeah. To kind of fill in for your lack of an answer, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> please, no, please um, do. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm I'm playing the artificer with a artisan background, and Fisher. I think you've mentioned a few times that the whole crux of that specialty is um, engine building, mm-hmm. and I, I ne- had never really heard that before. But I totally understand what it is just by playing other games in the past. Um, so that's what I really like about it. And it, it reminded me a lot of uh, basically engine building, as I understand it, is 
equipping or putting a bunch of cards out in play that can synergize off of each other and efficiently resolve things, situations, um, and do more, you get more oomph out of an action or whatever. Uh, so I, I really, that, that really appeals to me. Um, I kind of got a taste of that when I, I played a lot of Marvel champions solo, um, as Iron Man, which I find to be really difficult, very challenging because Iron Man starts off, starts off like relatively weak because he, you have to continually like find your pieces of equipment, like his boots and his armor and his helmet and his gloves out of the deck and equip each one. And each time you equip one of those pieces, it kind of ups his power in a certain way or gives him new abilities. So you're pretty weak to start, but you eventually just build yourself up and the fun challenge is doing that while also thwarting the challenges in front of you in like an efficient way. Um, so I, I think that's really fun. And I, I've, I was thinking about this question and I realized I did that a lot. I do that a lot in like role-playing games as well. I always play like a relatively squishy, like weak character that has a lot of utility or is like a Swiss army knife. Like uh, I, I play a lot of magic slash uh, martial art, martial fighters, I guess like war mages and, and magus, a magus. Mm-hmm. I think that's in Pathfinder. Um, so that that's always a super fun challenge of the, trying not to get eliminated by an enemy and become like a hazard um, by my allies uh, and be able to pull off the cool alpha strike or something uh, and help out the team. So that's what I'm looking forward to doing in, in Earthborn is hanging back and getting all my equipment ready and then just coming in with a quick and efficient like solution that kind of sweeps the board or something that that'll mm-hmm. be fun. So that's, that's what I look forward to nice. going forward. Cool. 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 Um, so we got another question from ye gods. Ye gods. Where does ye the gods, glut- ye gods, <laughs> where does the cooperation come into the game? Watching the playcast prologue, I didn't see any cards played to help the other player. Just two <laughs> solo players, basically. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, definitely framed. I, I pulled that one out of our YouTube comments, uh, so definitely framed a little more like a YouTube comment than a uh, than our normal listener question. Yeah, but I'm not actually like, looking for a response, but I'm glad that you put that in there so we can respond to it in long form. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, they got a response. I, I wrote a response, and I figured I would oh, nice. uh, do it a little more long form here. Um, but yeah, it, there's a couple things. First of all, like the prologue doesn't involve as much like actual gameplay. We we try to kind of give you a sample of gameplay, and you see a little bit of the game starting in action. But the prologue's trying to give you the game at its most bare bones and kind of stripped down. So just completing a couple tests, progressing the uh location traveling done and so it is the game at its kind of most controlled just to kind of intro people to the game so i think coming out of the prologue i can totally see how it kind of feels like you're a little more isolated in your in your own world world um that being said kind of the longer form answer is uh, on one hand there is a certain aspect of like you know you're each playing your own game because ultimately our game is designed to be playable true solo, which means that like 
the game doesn't require collaboration because any game that requires collaboration needs all sorts of exceptions in a true solo mode. And we wanted the true solo mode to play with no exceptions and weird rules that you need to tack on to make play true solo. So in some ways, yes, you can play it with your blinders on in, in isolation. But I think that if you're, you are playing multiplayer, you're totally missing out if you do that, because most of our ranger cards are designed that you can uh, use them on other rangers or to help out other rangers. And even when somebody has cards within reach of them, uh, you know, not within reach of you, you can still go and interact over there and help them out and kind of coordinating with each other, helping each other out, playing cards on each other, talking over what each of you plan to do and coordinating so that you can kind of team up and best utilize your powers together is a big part of the multiplayer experience in Rangers. Um, so while it's not mandatory, mandatory, it is where a lot of the fun comes in. And so I think if you keep watching the playcast and as Anders and Evan get more experience with the game, I think you will see more of that collaboration happening in each of our playcasts as we go forward. And also I think as you play the game, you'll see it if you seek it out in a multiplayer game that you are sitting in. So yes, in some ways our game never technically requires collaboration beyond the fact that you are sharing the uh, surroundings area and the along the way area, but our game does encourage it, I think. Yeah, I think it definitely encourages you to uh, coordinate your efforts at the very least, um, so that you're taking tests in the in the in the right mm -hmm. order, and you're kind of playing in the in order that best helps your partner or partners. Um, I think I would also say I think though I think those are all great points, Fisher, and I also would say to that true solo uh, play that um, to add on to that that. True solo also means that you don't need to, you know, double fist it with another, have yeah. another ranger in play so that you don't need to, you don't need to like take up a bunch of brain power to play solo. You play with just one ranger, which is a, um, which makes the game so much more pleasure, so much more pleasant to play uh, in solo mode. Um, mm -hmm. But I think also to add on to it is that our game is very, very different from, I think, what you would experience from, I know what you would experience with uh, other cooperative games uh, that share uh, a similar lineage is that any other cooperative game that you'll play that's, you know, kind of like this kind of throws you into the deep end almost immediately where uh, there's a bunch of stuff popping off. Uh, you're in immediate danger. Um, and you need to think fast or you're going to lose whatever scenario you're going to be playing. And the game, those games teach you through oftentimes through failure of like, Oh, we, we screwed that up. Okay. Let's try that again. And we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can do better the next time around. Um, and I think in some ways it, those, those other games, um, do a decent job of, of, of teaching you that way, uh, through that repetition. Um, but the way that our game ramps up is much, much slower. So like it really gives you an opportunity at the beginning, those first few days of the campaign to really ease into how to play, like, and just get comfortable with your deck, get comfortable with the cards that are, that are going to be coming at you. Um, but then as the campaign goes on, uh, I think that uh, collaboration between players, especially if you're playing with, you know, three or, or more, becomes more and more important as 
stuff starts to pop off <laughs> in the cool. story. Uh, and you find yourself in situations where you will absolutely need the help of your, uh, your fellow ranger if you're playing in a multiplayer game. Um, I feel like that happens a lot in our playtest, Fisher, where the, one of us, it's uh, it's pretty pretty common for one ranger to be in trouble while the other ranger is like, yeah, I can I can help you out because I'm I'm not in serious danger myself. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of lot of uh, I suppose you could let your partner suffer over there, not help them out, but uh, it really encourages you through what's on the table to uh, to participate in, in helping out your partner. Well, yeah, in our, our playtests especially, we sometimes contrive to get one ranger in trouble. So, That's like, true. we'll bury you under stuff, and then, like, I go and traverse <laughs> the location. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's another way of of, uh, of collaborating, too. And I think you'll find that, Anders, with the conciliators. There's ways of moving beings around to free up uh, the other players at the table to allow them mm. to do other things. So, Sounds um, awesome. Yeah, so there, there's a lot there. It, it, it'll just take you a minute to to find it once you, know, you become comfortable with the game. Well, the, the character I'm, the, the mindset of my character in my mind is not a very, not a team player, kind of a lone wolf. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when I get in trouble, I will all, all, all of a sudden become a team player. <laughs> so <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll, we'll see how well that works out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to loosen up my, my commitment to that role a little bit. <laughs> Please do. Okay. <laughs> Good one. You had you had me there. Um, now's the time to show. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna. I decided I'm gonna put on my blue light blocking glasses. It's getting closer to bedtime. So. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah. There we go. Nice. Wow. You look like a hacker. Yeah, it's the <laughs> cyberpunk portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So cool. Uh. All right. Um. Next question comes from another. Another favorite, Darren. Say hi. The dependable. Hi, Darren. <laughs> is the abbreviation for Earthborn Ranger? <laughs> this should be a quick answer. Is the abbreviation for Earthborn Ranger is EBR or ER? Is the abbreviation for Earthborn Games EBG or EG? I've seen it both ways, and I'd like to know which you prefer. All of our internal file naming uses EBR. Uh, I don't know if we ever officially made a decision on that. I think it just kind of, we just started doing it and nobody said anything. <laughs> yeah. I've always like EBR sounds better to me than ER. Cause that just makes me mm-hmm. think of e, the ER or George Clooney or George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> One of those is better than the other. <laughs> and yeah. EBG is definitely the uh, official abbreviation of, of Earthborn games. Cause that's what we're using in our abbreviations on our copyright line on the, on the cards. So EBG, but you know, Call it what you want. <laughs> I can, yeah. I'm not gonna Listen police to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it is one word, though. Yeah, it's one word. It is. Yeah. So technically, it wouldn't should be er. It should be er. But... Eg. Um, Compound. All right. all right. Hope that helps, Darren. See you next week. And then Mark <laughs> via email. We appreciate you, Darren. Sorry, I'm being being goofy. <laughs> Mark says, "I can't express how helpful it appears the playcast videos will be for me." Like Anders, I am very new to card games. I have had a great desire to dive into this style of game, but find podcasts and videos for others like Lord of the Rings and Arkham Horror to be geared towards much more experienced players. Having a chance to watch a novice play game play gives me someone to relate to. Also, Anders seems to ask a lot of questions that also occur to me. Furthermore, he has the foremost expertise experts 
guiding and answering questions along the way. What a terrific way to learn. I know that's true. That is that is wild that you guys are just there. Wouldn't it be great if every game you want needed to learn the, the like people who made it were just sitting there, kind of, <laughs> popped out of the box, kindly walking you through it with patience. <laughs> I hope this is a game my wife and I will be able to play together. Do you think two complete novices will be able to work our way to a level of comfort with the rules where we are playing the game correctly? Anders, keep asking all the questions for us folks who are just like you. Oh. Oh, that's good. See, there that's you cool. go. Yeah, See, yeah. That t- that ties into our conversation earlier. You, yep. you, you were feeling self conscious, and right. there you go. This this <laughs> is the, these are the people that you know <laughs> that you are me. playing this game for right now. I didn't really realize there would be anybody. Maybe I don't know. I, I, I kind of assumed that anybody interested in the game was you know a seasoned vet when it came to these kind of games, but. I, I can answer. I, I I personally say, as someone like you, you will be able to get there. And I think even without you guys there reading the rule book to me, it it, it would be a. It's it feels like I felt like root, learning root was enjoyable, and I feel like Earthworn, the way the it's uh, the prologue is kind of presented to you is even more enjoyable than root was, because root also has like a walking through root little tiny um you know you can you can learn by reading the whole rule book or you can just do this example game which is cool but i think earthborn has a really cool tutorial prologue thing that i liked even more and uh, i think you can do it you can do it mark and wife (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think the uh you know the, the his little qualifier there of like playing correctly um mm. as long as you're having fun i think that's the correct way to play so you know if you if you find that you're making a mistake that's all right as long as you're as long as you're having fun right that's fine that's fine and you'll you'll catch those little and it's time and it's on. it's kind of fun too uh after i had had played root that day i i was reading the rule book and i noticed some things we were doing wrong and it's fun to go hey we did that wrong. Wrong. Actually, yeah. you won, um, <laughs> which is what happened. I thought I won, but my sister would have totally won playing this one rule correctly. Yeah, there you go. Um, and if if you're playing solo play, uh, no one has to know if you decide right. to draw another challenge card that because you, you didn't like the result of the first one. <laughs> no, no cheating. What kind of person? What kind of person does that? Cheats with himself. Um, but yeah, Mark, to, to the two of you, another thing I would encourage you is just take your time as you're starting out. Like, you know, we've designed the prologue to kind of help step you into the game, but um, don't feel like you need to rush as you step into your first day or two with the game. Uh, take your time. You know, it may play a lot longer then than like, you know, a standard session. But one of the nice thing about our game is it you can kind of press pause pretty easily when you travel to a new location, it's a nice, like, discreet place. You can even just put your decks with, like, your hand and fatigue stack opposite each other and just store the deck to the side and then come back as long as you remember where you were traveling and resume a day kind of midday. So I'd recommend just pacing yourselves and taking your time with your first couple days. Don't, like, feel like you need to be setting a certain pace. Um, and I think that'll really help, one, get into the story, and to just kind of process all of your decisions as, as you're getting going. So I think you can totally do it. Um, and uh, uh, 
we're here to help. So, uh, you know, <laughs> feel free to reach out to us. We try to answer questions that get sent to us. So feel free mm -hmm. to send us questions if you have them. We're just humans like you. We're here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, someone sent me a nice email about like the music. Someone, Justin, I believe his name was. And he was so appreciative that I wrote him back as if I was like a celebrity or something. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> cool. I'm a celeb now. Um, but you did I'm it. Just, I'm such, <laughs> we're such just regular guys, you guys. Come on. Um, all right. Except for Andrew Navarro, man. He was in that documentary. I was in that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fisher, you were in there too. I saw you too. Yeah, he was yeah, there. Yeah, I was, yeah. That's one of my, uh, I have a bunch of uh old photos on my phone uh, in an album like that I've titled gaming that I have just pictures of various games that I've played and things that I've done. And the number one photo in there is a photo of us sitting around the table playing Twilight Imperium third when we were about to start <laughs> working on fourth. So it's Was like that you... that game? Was that that game in the conference room with yeah. Christian? Yeah. yeah, you look so different. Um, I'm very young. You have glasses, I think. <laughs> yeah, he has glasses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Back so before like, your surgery. Christian's there. Andy Christensen is there. Keith Hurley is there. I, think, I don't know if Michael Hurley's there. Corey Kaneska's there. Anyway, it, it's the number one. So it's, I see it every time I go into albums on my phone. <laughs> I see a photo of us. And I, oh, I, nice. I, I really nice. like it a lot. I missed out on all that cool stuff. I Although yeah. I did see from afar the guy who voiced Darth Maul and played... <laughs> played what's oh, yeah, his Sam, name Sam, Sam Whitmer. Whitmer Sam Whitmer yeah. I, and, and I was like oh they must be doing that Star Wars thing today cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah man that was an experience <laughs> a tale for another time yeah <laughs> and do you think um do you think uh that show shut up and sit down will review Earthborn uh we'll see I, I mean I'll buddies, send, right? we'll send it we'll send it to him um I sure hope so yeah that'd be well, awesome that'd be so cool yeah I mean I did a pretty long podcast with him um, during the Kickstarter. Uh, oh, you that did? Was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and uh, they said two years ago that they're interested in checking out the game. <laughs> uh, whether on. or not they review it, we'll see. I'll, I'll definitely. Uh, that'd be, that'd be such, a, such a boon for the for sales, right? I mean, it's sure. <laughs> yeah. Or just, just a cool thing. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. We're running a little long. <laughs> so let's do some. We always stories. say that, but then we always come come in just in time. I know. Yeah, why it's does always it... ten forty? How uh -huh. does that happen? How does it happen? Yeah. Let's see if it happens again. It will. Um, all right. Work <laughs> stories. Fisher, go. Yeah. Um, well, I think last podcast I talked about how I was scattered between a lot of different projects, and so after that, I kind of resolved to focus, um, and I. Like Andrew and I had kind of talked about it and I tried to kind of figure out what our priorities were as far as like my time is concerned. And um, I've just been kind of focusing my time a lot more directly since last podcast on uh, getting Legacy of the Ancestors like as, you know, out the doors as fast as we can. So um, it, it's been kind of nice to just focus more directly on a single project. Um, I've been able to kind of jump in uh and help Luke Eddy, who we brought on to kind of uh, see it to the finish line and kind of help him get everything ready for um, the, the, the testing we're doing. Um, he was still kind of, he didn't work on the core set, so he was still kind of getting up to speed with a lot of our developments. So 
Um, you know, like often when you're working with uh, external designers like Luke, you kind of want to do a certain amount of like mentoring them, right? Like where, you know, helping them kind of not just learn the game, but learn best practices for designing for the game and like let them make their own mistakes because that's, you know, uh, a lot better for kind of longer term stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, we need to get our product out the door. So I've uh, been rolling up my sleeves and doing a lot more assuming direct control the last couple of weeks and tinkering myself um, with a lot of the cards um, and kind of helping Luke get, get stuff into shape. We had a really good test earlier today, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, where we're at on the progress there. So we're um, just starting external testing on Legacy of the Ancestors. If you're interested in playing it, um, we are still looking for testers. So please reach out uh, via our, the info at earthborngames.com uh, if you're interested in testing Legacy of the Ancestors. Uh, we'd really appreciate it because uh, we've got a whole another campaign there that needs to get enough eyeballs on it to make sure we don't have problems. So definitely reach out if, if you're interested in testing. Um, the other thing I'm excited about, uh, as I've been working on it, we had a couple terrain types for it that still were uh, not quite 100% there yet. And um, after some iteration, I, I think they're they're feeling really good. And it definitely has these, all the terrain in this is going to be, after you've played through the core game, is going to feel new, different, and pretty wild to you. But these these two especially kind of uh, push the game into new spaces and will really feel like like you're exploring a whole different world. And so I'm, I'm very excited to see uh, what, what people think of them as we get them into testing. So that's been my, my focus late, late, lately, trying to uh, zoom in on uh, our one product and get it out the door as, as, as quickly as we can. Cool. Have you guys ever thought about doing a fun like water park pod or something <laughs> or have you played have you, you gone down the river use the river, yeah, train? The river <laughs> okay. set, yeah. well i was gonna say maybe like maybe there's just a location that serves no narrative purpose but you can go there and have some fun do some checks <laughs> there's no real bad things that happen the wisconsin dells set yeah i just i just keep thinking yeah, about wisconsin yeah, yeah. dells <laughs> <laughs> There are some pretty we, we, friendly locations in the core set that, while not water parks, uh, are just kind of like go there, do some cool stuff. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Yeah, that's like some of our towns, when they shuffle in that many cards that are all kind of friendly or beneficial, they definitely have kind of like that easier feel. Um, we don't have anything that's that's just full <laughs> full on water park, though. Um, <laughs> even, even our probably most lighthearted moment can get interrupted. So that's uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> Which I won't, I won't spoil specifics, yeah, spoil but that. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will say the expansion uh, for those of you who have listened to our past podcasts and know kind of the spoilers for some of where we're going has a lot fewer, uh, water park, uh, level jaunty areas, uh, just because of where it's going. And, uh, what things are there? So, um, few few opportunities for that, but we do have some some fun, lighthearted moments there too. Sounds good. All right, yeah, we're testing tomorrow, oh. right? Yeah, um, Luke and I actually put 
that terrain type you and I were going to look at tomorrow on the table quite a bit today, but okay. uh, we, we can we can still play okay. if, if, just to have you kind of see everything. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Looking forward to it. Nice. All right, Evan, what want to update us? Yeah, I've I've probably sound like a broken record at this point, but I'm still <laughs> doing art and working with artists. But this week in particular has been a little bit different because I've had to shift gears um and prepare a bunch of i'm preparing a bunch of art briefs for this art studio that we've been working with and um whenever that happens it kind of forces me and the team to go into this conceptual mode where we have to give visual substance to some of the things in the game um that we've all talked about but haven't really like pinned down exactly what the visuals look like so it's it's tough to shift gears into that, but once I get into it, it's I can hit this fun rhythm where I'm in the concepting phase and I'm doing the stuff that Joe does, um, which is a fun departure from some of the more like structured illustration work I do. <laughs> so um, that's been fun, but I'm I'm also tried racing. I feel like I'm behind in that, but it it was a deadline I set myself, and so. I'm not going to get in trouble with anybody, I guess, if I don't get it all done by Friday, but I just want to get it all done by Friday. So anyways, that's where I'm at. Just In in some ways, getting tr in trouble with yourself feels worse than getting in trouble yeah. with somebody else. It, it definitely does. I can attest to that for sure. <laughs> Especially because we're all, it's effectively how we all work at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like none of us yell at, any, yell at anyone for being behind on anything, even though uh, I know that I'm behind on things. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you guys not yelling at me for being behind. <laughs> Happy to. Yeah. I mean, you are their boss, kind of. Um, <laughs> all right. How about you, Andrew? Got a little bullet point list. Here. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been doing a lot. So... Um, Production is rolling with all manufacturers on everything right now, which is super exciting. Like when I handed off the uh, the world of Earthborn Rangers, um, finally, I was speaking of being behind. It was about three and a half weeks behind when I told them, told the printer I'd have it to them. But they were very, very accommodating um, and very patient. They're like, yeah, you know, we're used to it. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But uh, when I handed that off... Uh, I had this sudden realization that there was n nothing creative left to do uh, for this first round of things. <laughs> that, mm. so, that sounds so grim. No, it was it was there wild. Was I was creative left to do. Yeah, there was no creative work left on our first round of products, which was yeah. pretty cool to finally get to that point where holy crap, everything is actually done, uh, and now it's just being made. Um, pretty wild. So. Uh, yeah, so everything's being everything's being made right now, or is on the precipice of being printed. So um, we had a little bit of adventure with the uh, deluxe wooden tokens, um, where uh, the manufacturer that I was working with um, is a manufacturer in Germany called Anton Schimmer. Very very small. Um, they're usually they're used to just supplying factories, uh, but I was trying to work with them directly, and. Uh, we had a bit of a miscommunication where I thought that I had confirmed the order with them like last fall. Uh, but from their side, apparently that had never happened. Um, so, uh, we ended up 
being months behind uh, where I was afraid we'd actually have to um, send out those wooden tokens in a separate ship shipment. Uh, and I was dreading that because uh, shipping things is expensive. Um, so we were trying to look for ways of maybe like putting them in an envelope and I don't know, anything that we could do to like save money on shipping. Uh, but I just took a chance and emailed Ludifact and said, hey, uh, I have this wooden token emergency. Can you help? And uh, Frank was awesome. Um, he jumped on it right away, was able to find a factory, uh, one of their factories that could do it to spec uh, within like four weeks. Um, so everything is FSC wood still, uh, which is pretty awesome. We had to make a couple changes to the colors of the counters because I didn't have a full range of paints available to me, I guess. So what was like ready now was not the full range of everything they could do. So we had to change the colors of a couple of the counters, but for the most part, um, we were able to retain the vision of it and uh, we'll be able to have them to go out with everything else, which was pretty exciting. Um, and uh, we're also uh, on the verge of starting to print the play mats. Um, the, uh, I think it's worth noting people probably, if they order the play mats, they're probably worried about how they might ship because people don't like having their play mats folded up because they'll have creases yeah. and stuff. And if you, uh, there's really, if you're not in any kind of package they're they don't necessarily come rolled, but I can confirm that all of the play mats will be coming in a, uh, cardboard box pre rolled and packed. So. Uh, they'll be nice and safe um, in a recyclable, plastic-free environment. I think it'll be plastic-free. I should probably make sure they don't put it in a plastic bag inside that box. Mm -hmm. um, but I, first, I should make a note to make sure they don't do that. Yeah, um, go for it. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's exciting. So that'll happen soon. Um, and then uh, a couple other uh, exciting things for me is that um, today... I officially handed off the the info at Earthborn Games uh, inbox to Corey, um, which is a tremendous load off. Uh, like I think I mentioned a few podcasts ago, uh, I've had a lot of trouble keeping up with that inbox, and I've I think I've done a real disservice to the people who have emailed that inbox um, over the past couple months. So I've been pretty far behind. Uh, so I finally decided that I have to stop kidding myself and that I, I need help and I don't have the capacity or the ability to really to treat those messages how they need to be treated. So um, pass it off to Corey. So he's going to go into the backlog of messages that are in there. Um, I want to say there's like 40 odd emails that need responses um, that are sitting in that inbox. So he's going to start getting on that. And, uh, if you're one of those people who emailed us, I apologize for the long delay. Um, I've been very busy, but that's not an excuse. Um, and then also on the helping out front, uh, I don't think I've actually haven't had a chance to talk to you Fisher or you Evan about this. Um, <laughs> so this is probably news to you live on this <laughs> podcast Whoa. is that we're contracting, uh, James Naylor. Um, of Naylor Games, he uh, to coordinate our logistics for fulfillment. So uh, he, so James Naylor is a guy. I did a podcast with him during the Kickstarter, 
he has his own game company and he built uh, some tools for himself uh, to help manage logistics uh, and fulfillment. And um, he, he's a, he has a background in, in software engineering. So uh, he decided it was a good enough suite of tools that he could offer it to other people who did Kickstarters and crowdfunding campaigns uh, for people, you know, like, like us who are better at the creative side of things than the uh, logistics side um, and didn't necessarily get into this to uh, spend all of our time um, managing uh, shipments of things across the ocean or between factories and fulfillment centers. So, um, so James is going to be stepping in and, and coordinating all that stuff. So working with our manufacturers to get everything to our fulfillment centers and then making sure that everything gets out to the backers and handling those customer service requests and all that stuff. Um, so that's, uh, that's really exciting. Um, and it should make the next couple months as we get into fulfillment, uh, run even smoother, uh, because we'll have additional help in making sure that, uh, that everyone's taken care of and everyone gets, gets their rewards and, um, we can, that will allow us to spend the time we need to be spending on the, uh, expansion so that you can get the last portion of the thing that you backed. <laughs> back in, uh, in 2021. So, uh, that's all my news. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you have any questions about, if you guys have any questions about that, we can talk about it tomorrow. Oh, no, but you, I'm pretty I, happy to be working yeah. with them. You, you mentioned that we had a meeting together and you did mention that and that is, exciting. I did. Okay. So yeah, maybe yeah. Fisher, Fisher is, you're maybe the last person to, to hear mm, about it then. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah call... Naylor games does uh, magnate, right? I think so. Yeah. You called me last night and told me, no. <laughs> um, but we're, we're tight like that. So, uh, this is bullshit. <laughs> um, let's look at the green games guide, huh? Yeah. You know what? I, I think since we've gone long, I, I think maybe let's at this not. point, let's just, let's just mention it. Let's just mention it is that there's this, uh, and we can maybe put it in link to it in the, in the show notes. Okay. Um, so yeah, so Fisher, you you sent this to me today. Yeah, Screams Game Green Game Games Say it three times fast. Green Games <laughs> I'll say it once. <laughs> Just loop it, Anders. Um, yeah. So this this guide, um, I saw it kind of getting around, um, shared around Twitter. Um, Elizabeth Hargrave uh, shared it. They started kind of, their organization started up last year, and then they just released uh, their kind of first guide document. Um, you can find it at greengameguides.com. Oh, my God. I can't That's, say it. It is hard to say. Yeah. Um, greengamesguide.com. Sky's the uh, limit so, for that triple G. website. Triple G. <laughs> so easy to say. <laughs> so they have a, um, a whole guide document on sustainability in board games specifically. And so they go over a lot of the stuff we've talked about and had considered as we are building rangers um, from paper to plastics to packaging and all these different things and kind of rate different, show all the different options and rate them in this nice visual format. And it's really awesome. Um, so I'd recommend uh, checking it out. Um, uh, we might talk about it a bit more in depth in a podcast where we haven't gone long um, yeah. early on. But um, it, it, it's pretty cool. And it's it's kind of like directly aligned with kind of our goal uh, at Earthborn of, um, you know, educating everybody about 
the sustainability of game of board games and the different options out there. Um, you know, they they take a, a few different stances than we might take on a couple of the the different issues, but broadly, it's um, it's kind of that that same mission in our same niche. And so, I thought it'd be cool to kind of share for those of you who are curious to check it out. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Like again, when we have a little bit more time, so maybe we can plan for it uh, next episode to. Uh, mm-hmm. To maybe go through that document and see how we stand up and uh, that sounds great um and i feel like spoilers i feel like we're doing pretty good according to them cool. um but i think there was also an interesting thing that I, they omitted that uh mm. we could also talk about too so you can use the document and see what it was that they left out mm-hmm. tune in next time to find <laughs> out next time. Let's, let's leave it there next yeah. time cool all right well, it's time for everyone's favorite segment, <laughs> Stuff We're Into. I love that these titles just kind of stuck. Just like, <laughs> just like the theme song. Like I, I, when, yeah. we, when, when I was doing that with Andrew, it, when I was giving you ideas, you're like, I'll probably change it later. And now it's just the theme song. Yeah, it's, it's totally grown on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be Definitely. weird to change it now. It would be, yeah. Tell us what you think about the theme song. I, I wonder that sometimes. The more we use it, the more it like feels right uh-huh. to the game. Yeah, yeah, I, agree. I, I like it. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little like country or something. Yeah, <laughs> a too, I think it's got the right it's feel. It's rustic, a little too yeah. twangy, a little bit, but it's almost there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm into. Uh, let's see. I, I've watched The Last of Us. I haven't finished it though. That show's grown on me a lot. I didn't like it that much at first, um, but it's got great character development and it's got a lot of heart and it's i think a really smartly made show and i don't need to talk about it that much and then uh red dead redemption 2 I, which i purchased mm. on this on andrew's suggestion from this podcast a while back and uh it's incredibly it's incredible there's nothing like it it's um really cool um so much detail mm-hmm it's true. You you said that you walk very slow, and that's something to get used to. And I love that. I love that <laughs> you walk really slow. Um, and I'm actually finally starting to kind of get s- a little bit tired of Marvel Snap. No, Whoa. <laughs> no, <laughs> just a little. This <laughs> this season, the like the the special card uh, Nimrod, everyone's favorite Marvel <laughs> character, Nimrod. Yeah, you weren't you weren't hyped for Nimrod. No, it's not a very interesting <laughs> card, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just played with it a little bit and moved on, but I'll come back. I just need a little break, I think. And then I played a couple card games. I played Arboretum with my sister, mm. and I liked that a lot. I'm ex- mm. we only played one game of it because, and it was late at night. But I think it takes a couple games probably to understand strategies and stuff. I think we we're playing a little too slow. I don't know if you guys have played it. Is it one of those kind of games that everybody's played? I haven't played Arboretum. I, I actually, I haven't played Arboretum. Oh, it's great. It's really I hear cool. that. Yeah, I hear it's good. Oh, so good. Such a good two-player game. Um, it's like deceivingly simple and uh, like peaceful seeming, but there's some hardcore like screwing each other in that game. <laughs> you play with your sister. Yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> you flip the card the, the beautiful at uh, the back of the uh pictures of the beautiful trees there's like full-on porno but um <laughs> i don't know uh 
<laughs> anyway, that's a cool game. It's good. It's good. Um, you know, you know, Anders. For somebody who doesn't play many games, uh, in the last like couple weeks, you've uh, been on a professional live live play of a involved card game played root and arboretum I, know. I, I don't know how much longer you can say you're not that into uh, board games <laughs> yeah <It's> just, <laughs> i waited an entire year of doing a podcast about a big par- card game to actually start playing them <laughs> that's, that's great that's, that says a lot about my character <laughs> i'm slow uh yeah arboretum's cool i i would like to talk about it more someday even it's four player we can play it sometime i'll play it i'll play it um yeah i'd play and then I played this other game called Dust Biters, which was a Kickstarter game as well. It's got a really cool art style, and I was drawn to it because one of the guys who worked on it, or a couple of guys, are more in the video game world. One was from Vlambeer, one of the mm. half mm-hmm. one half of the Vlambeer oh, yeah. Studios uh, worked on it. It's really really simple. It's like twenty five cards, twenty one cards, and you just divide them up, and you're you're these kind of Mad Max looking. Each card is a different, like Mad Max character on a vehicle, and you're in this kind of um, yep. caravan. Mad of... Max meets mag- Magic School Bus here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems cool, but also only played one game of it and never really got to the part where it feels fun, mm. like you're in you're in control. But mm-hmm. the art style I love, and I didn't like though all the cards have the kind of same color palette. And if you guys are looking at it right now, it was hard to kind of just you want that visual. Like, oh, I know what this card is. I know what this mm-hmm. does. You kind of have to read it every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and with the way the cars kind of sometimes clip off of the cards, you don't get that, like, iconic silhouette that helps you kind of visually differentiate each card. Right, right. In the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. But it seems cool. And, yeah, that's all I've really consumed. Also, I was going to use the cop-out that Evan does sometimes about, um, you know, playing the game of parenting mm-hmm. because... <laughs> My daughter has just become like full on toddler. Nice. And it's just a whole new world. And <laughs> that is challenging every day. Oh, I believe it. But yeah. she's also but she's also like more awesome than ever too. So it's kind of a nice little trade off. Yeah. But that's me. How about Fisher? What you got? Well, for me, um, I've been pretty busy. Uh there's one game of note that I wanted to talk about, which is uh Kind of inspired by, I think Shut Up and Sit Down covered this game a couple weeks ago. And inspired by that, I picked it up. Uh, though Kara had, uh, Kara Sentel Dunk, who uh, I worked with for many years, uh, backed this game and, and talked about it right when it came out and made me want to play it. And so I, I, I feel bad that it took Shut Up and Sit Down for me to finally pick it up because Kara's <laughs> recommendations are always uh, <laughs> excellent. But um, so the game is called Alice is Missing. Uh, it's a. Uh, it's a role-playing game, a GM-less role-playing game in which you all play as high school students uh, in this Northern California town. And uh, a girl you know, a friend of yours, has just gone missing at the start of the RPG. And it has some cards that kind of fuel the story, but overall the story otherwise is told entirely via a text message chain. So you're entirely silent. And actually they have this really great soundtrack that you like play that has the timer for the game. Mm -hmm. And then all the cards that flip over and reveal new things happen with this video and the timer. And otherwise you're texting and it like adds this layer of immersion. You know, we changed all of our names and 
photos and stuff so that we're all like our characters. Mm-hmm. And so you can almost forget which person is even playing this character. So it's it's very much that character. And it really, you get these kind of flurry of flurries of messages as new information. Like one player might get new information, but they need to share it and figure out how their character would share it with everybody else. And so there's like these flurries of messages and it gets across that feeling of this frantic group chat and trying to kind of interpret it. Uh, and it, it was really cool. Like it, it deals with some serious themes and like, um, you know, you got the soundtrack in the back and you, you get these kind of emotional moments and like, um, yeah, it was, it was a very touching little game. Uh, I share shut up and shut up and sit downs kind of feelings on it. Uh, Quinn's expressed in the video that like, I don't know if I'll ever play it again. Like it's very, you inhabited these characters this one time and like playing it again almost feels like cheapening hmm. that one experience. So mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm sending the box to my brother cause he's a big RPG fan and uh, hopefully he'll get some joy out of it too. Uh, but really cool. If you're yeah. into kind of like more serious contemplative experiences and you have some friends that are open up to something like that, I do highly recommend it. So Andrew, uh, I didn't really know that was a Kickstarter game but I was aware of the name because I'm on Zach Twaltimus's discord and one of his channels is Alice is missing. And I always thought that that was his own game that he was playing with his, his friends and I would would creep on the, on the interactions and it looks like it wrapped up two years ago. And Mm -hmm. the last Zach was the last thing to say anything. And it looks pretty, pretty crazy. Like I could just read the entire discourse. Oh. And I never knew what it was. That's interesting. It, that's insane. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's really weird. Um it's fun to yeah, have it contextualized now. Wow. You you have this <laughs> artifact. We also did it via Discord, and I still have the channel, and I can't I couldn't bring myself to delete it yet. Cause you know, we <laughs> you have this like couple hours of gameplay mm-hmm. all kind of immortalized there. And yeah, similarly it ends on this really like poignant yeah. note. And like <laughs> it's like I, I can't bring myself to click delete yet. That's cool. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, uh, I've been doing some dog training, uh, well failing at some dog training. It, <laughs> my dog's 10 months old and, uh, has gotten a slightly rebellious streak. Uh, <laughs> he's just been barking a lot more and ignoring, uh, commands and like, you know, he, he doesn't like, it, it's so hard cause you try to only do positive reinforcement and redirect and stuff, but sometimes like he gets overtired and just is willfully like bad right (laughs) and so if anybody has any anybody out there has tips on dog training let me know he he's so smart and he follows commands when he wants to right like and he's so good when he wants to be but like when he doesn't want to be it's a whole nother ball game so Mm -hmm. if 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 people out there have dog tips uh please let me know i'd appreciate it (laughs) yep but that's it for me (laughs) We've experienced that. I've experienced that, that guy now. And yeah, you need help. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not, it's not lack of like work. We put so much work into like training and reinforcement. Yes, you do. And like, you You can tell we have, Uh we we have a bunch of commands and stuff, but like when he He gets cool tricks, (laughs) when when he gets hype, it doesn't matter. He's just like, Oh, it's time. Override. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, Evan, what, what about you? Um, not much. I mentioned last, I think it was last podcast that I was preoccupied by 
Signy crawling. Like I wanted to <laughs> express, like train her into crawling because I felt like that was a milestone. She, but she's crawling now. She just she's just full on crawling, and cool. we're, yeah. we're gonna have to start um like securing everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, training her not to nip she... nip guests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I don't. I she always gets a big handful of one of the cats and I'm afraid the cat is going to mm-hmm. like, you know, like maul her or something. So that's, that's a concern, but, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's great. I'm <laughs> constantly comparing like the other kids at daycare or like any other kids we see like, Oh, this kid's got a full row of teeth down there in the, yeah, you know, but uh-huh. Sydney's just got one tooth coming in. Like <laughs> how, how close are they? Like, yeah. but, um, I know none of it happens in like a strict structured calendar Timeline. development. Um, so I'm trying to like, I'm trying to not be a weirdo about that. And <laughs> yeah, I'm getting better. So you're fine. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. Yeah. The only other thing is I got going on really, cause I'm, I'm copping out here with the parenting thing. Um, is I'm now that I have glasses and I can sketch in a sketchbook again and like, read books and stuff without <laughs> struggling and having eye strain. Um, I'm really into, I want to get like a cool, like bag that I can just take everywhere mm-hmm. that I can just have all the things in it that I'm always thinking about wanting to interact with, but haven't been able to before. So nice. Mm-hmm. I want to have a sketchbook and a book. And uh... anyways, I, I guess Instagram was listening to me or something. Cause I'd started getting <laughs> targeted ads for, for bags and stuff. So, oh, yeah, is, I got a bag. Is this how you end up? You end up getting into the EDC community. What is that? Everyday carry. <laughs> Maybe yeah, like, I think I. Okay, yeah, that probably. Yeah. There's it's, like Instagrams and YouTubes, and it's all like, look at like my bag and like all the bespoke <laughs> things I carry in my bag. And well, I don't know yeah. if I want bespoke things. I just want a bag that I can throw stuff into and just have on me. <laughs> you can't go wrong with a good Jan Sport. That's what I yeah, was I was say. thinking about Jansport. <laughs> mm-hmm. High school again. <laughs> so yeah, maybe next. It won't be tomorrow, but maybe next Thursday I'll show up with a backpack slung over my shoulder and <laughs> just have my Stephen King book within, you know, easy access. That's awesome. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, not a whole lot going on. <laughs> thinking about bags. <laughs> no, I get it. Going to join a cult about always. What was that called, Fisher? What was the thing called? That EDC? Italian men's oh, yeah, EDC. EDC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. EDC cult. Yeah, oh, I, I get that though. You like decide you suddenly you decide you need something, and yeah, then yeah. maybe there will be weeks where you're just obsessed with researching, and you well, think that this thing is so like this dumb keyboard I have. I I was looking at like mechanical keyboards for a month. Yeah, so into it and. <laughs> I don't give a shit about this thing anymore. Throwing it all around. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that fun to use. I'd rather use the, uh, just the Apple keyboard, <laughs> but I was, I was a, I was a mechanical keyboard export expert for like a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I believe I unveiled this on this show. You did mm. long ago. I've been doing this a long time. Okay. Uh, Andrew Navarro. Yeah. Uh, I've a uh, couple things. Um, 
I on my vacation, I was reading a the new Elric of Milnibone Ooh, uh, there's collection a new one. by Michael Moorcock. Yeah. Well, it's not a new book. Oh. This is a new collection. So there's okay. a th- new three-volume collection. I used to have a uh, a collected works, um, one of those omnibuses um, that is no longer in print that I loved that book. I never finished it. It had a bunch of different stories in it. And then I sold it when I did a big book purge, like in the early 2000s. And and I've wanted it back ever since. Um, So every once in a while, I just kind of poked around and looked for new Elric of Milimine stuff. Um, And then the other, maybe a month or so ago, I saw in Barnes & Noble, um, volumes two and three, they didn't have the first one. Uh, But I was like, oh, sweet. This is my chance to to dive yeah. back in. So I uh, got it from Amazon and I'm really enjoying it. I read the, the first volume has uh, four novels in it. Uh, and I read the first two in there and they're presented in um, timeline order as opposed to order of publication. Yeah. Cause they're, so, they're written out of sync with each other, but they, yeah, it's um, they're definitely, they're all, you know, standalone novels, um, standalone stories. It's more like classical sword and sorcery, serialized presentation almost. So it's just like, this is one Elric adventure and then there's another Elric adventure and then they're in a timeline and they reference each other from time to time. Yep. And the Eternal Champions. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so the one I'm reading right now is one that, that I have read before, but I don't remember it at all. Uh, Sailor on the Seas of Fate. Yeah, that's one of my um, favorites. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. It's got this all tit- the... I've never heard of this before, but this title is awesome. The Weird... Of White Wolf? Of the White yeah. Wolf. Yeah. yeah. The that's weird. the fourth that's the fourth one in it. I, I so the you mentioned serialized. I I, f- I feel like I heard Michael Moorcock saying that this was his the inverse of Conan, which was also a serialized sword and sorcery mm-hmm. series. Like he wanted to make the anti Conan or something. Yeah. And yeah. Well he was hired. Is. Yeah, I, I was reading the forward and uh or, or like there's some annotation in here that I was reading that was describing how he came kind of came about. I think he was commissioned effectively to do a, a Conan style story. And he's like, how about I do something that's not Conan, uh, but also just like Conan. Um, so uh, I've really been enjoying it. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like his writing style is uh, pretty phenomenal and has a really distinct voice. Um, so I've, I've really been enjoying it. Uh, so that's been fun. And uh, I've really been enjoying playing God of War Ragnarok uh, on my PlayStation 5 entertainment mm. system. Um, that game is great. Cool. If uh, I, I recommend it. The combat's awesome. The graphics, I think the last time I talked about it, it was like, ah, they're not really blowing me away. But there's some stuff in there that's... <laughs> you can really see the hardware doing work. Uh, and mm. it's pretty impressive. Um, but the gameplay is... It's so good. It's just as good as the the last God of War, um, and the story I think uh, wraps up in a really satisfying way. Um, it was great. It, it and I think that that first God of the new God of War did the the impossible in making Kratos into a sympathetic character, and uh, this one goes above and beyond that where at the end you're like yeah that kratos he's all right <laughs> <laughs> so nice. yeah it's pretty it's pretty good it's pretty good i recommend cool. it 
I can't wait to see Pedro Pascal play him in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, why does he have to play everything? Oh, God. Every every dad journeying through the a harsh yeah. environment with a small child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah right. that's true. Yeah, I guess I guess he has to play him now. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's gonna have to uh, get some creatine though to yeah. get buffed up. Do that voice. <laughs> Do that voice, boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I've been doing. Cool. All right, guys, this has been fun. It's been a good one. Um, I just want to remind everybody to keep watching the playcast. The game is printing now, and that is very exciting. Uh, should be out soon, right? Can it we start should, saying should. that? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll know more uh, once we get confirmation that we have those stickers to seal a box. Because <laughs> according to Frank at Ludafact, that is the one thing. That hmm. can maybe hold things up is uh, not being able to seal the box. Okay. Um, so hopefully that gets in. But yeah, we should start seeing English copies uh, in existence within the next couple of weeks. Well, we yeah. might actually have a production copy in hand around that same time. So two, three weeks from now, hopefully we'll have an honest to goodness copy of the game shipped to us, which is pretty exciting. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll see you guys on the next podcast and the next playcast, and I'll see you guys for the the recording of the next uh, playcast this weekend. All right. uh, Thanks for joining us, everybody. Ta-ta. Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Bye.